What is up, everybody? Welcome to the very first edition of the Gold Standard Niners Nation podcast. I'm your host, Rob Stats Guerrero, alongside Levin Black. And we are very excited to be bringing you the latest with the 49ers. We've got a lot of good things lined up for this podcast. Um, Levin, how you doing? I'm doing good. Been uh, a really slow offseason, but we're getting close to that actual season, hopefully. Normally, I would be saying uh, you could <laughs> feel it in the air. You could smell it. It's time, but it's, it just feels different this year because of everything going on. But uh, we're still going to try and bring you, obviously, the best possible 49ers coverage. Uh, just really quick, want to give you a quick intro to who we are. Uh, I was at ESPN Radio for about five years. I worked on Mike and Mike. Then for the last five years, I was with Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio producing his show. And while I was doing that last year, I was a part of the 49ers Web Zone podcast. And now I'm sort of leading things here on the Niners Nation podcast side of things. And uh, yeah, that's sort of my experience. Uh, Levin is basically king of the north. <laughs> I'll take that. That's actually, my brother would be disappointed to hear that because during this whole quarantine, he's been growing out his hair and facial hair to try to look like Jon Snow, but I'll take <laughs> it. <laughs> I'll let him know that that uh, king of the north is reserved already. Oh, I'm grateful Levin was with me on the 49ers Web Zone podcast, and I'm grateful that you uh, decided to follow me here and become part of Niners Nation. I couldn't pass up the opportunity to continue to burst your bubble. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. So, yeah, that's basically the show in a nutshell is I get crazy about things and Levin makes fun of me for it and tells me why I'm vastly overreacting. Or why you shouldn't like Madden football. <laughs> Which... Yeah, you're crazy about it. That's coming out pretty soon, by the way. But we're looking to build a great lineup for you. Like I said, we want to have a little bit of something, no matter what kind of a fan you are. Every day of the week, we're going to have different content, whether it's reaction to games or film breakdown, a reaction to the press conferences each week. We want to be your go-to place for everything red and gold. And that's why we are the Gold Standard Podcast. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's get into the meat of the show. Three things that we are going to talk about in this episode. First, more news about the George Kittle contract. His agent says there has been, quote, minimal progress in talks with the team. Uh, Steve Young thinks this year will prove if the 49ers are for real and can be a contender going forward. And last but not least, Javon Kinlaw, how he looks so far. What are the teammates saying about them? And basically, can we believe it at this point? So let's dive right into it, Levin. Kittle. And the 49ers have not been moving as fast as certainly some of the fans want with the contract talks. Every little bit of info we seem to get from Mike Silver puts these negotiations in sort of a negative light. Where do you think they are with Kittle right now? And where do you think it goes going forward? Well, recently I learned some things that I can't share publicly that kind of changed my opinion. Uh, I'm All I can really say is I'm more firmly in Kittle's side of this than the 49ers, which is kind of surprising because you would think the 49ers would step up and basically just pay the man. Well, just just tell us. It's just you and me. <laughs> yeah. No. What can you share? Because <laughs> it's not really my info to share. Somebody told me, and this is why you should take it with a grain of salt. We all know this Niners regime is very tight-lipped. Um, so I'm not saying 100% it's, it's the way it is, but I was told something that was told to somebody else from somebody who would know. Um, so take it for what it is, but I am much more firmly in Kittle's side of it. 
do you think that most fans will agree with you? Like, I think that there comes a point where even though everybody loves George Kittle, like at some point does it begin to turn and the fans start saying, hey, man, the Niners want to make you the highest paid tight end of all time. And they think you're great. And you want more than that. You're being too greedy. I think if they got all the info, at least from what I've been told, they would side with Kittle. Um, but it's also close enough to where it could be spun. And depending on how it comes out and who tells what, if it ever comes out, um, it could also go to the Niners. I have no idea what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying there, there's some finite, it's more in the details of the negotiations of why it goes to Kittle than in the grand scheme numbers. But I feel like that's never really going to come out, right? Because no. either they're going to get a deal done eventually, and then there'd be no reason for any of it to come out, or they don't get a deal done, and the 49ers are going to be in full spin mode at this point, trying to paint George Kittle as greedy Gus. And, you know, people are going to not believe anything coming out of Kittle's camp. Yeah, I mean, it, it really goes two ways when it comes to this. And it's that he gets traded, he gets a big contract from somebody else. Now, the one way that this could go to the Kittle side is if the contract he signs with the other team is lower than expected. And they go, well, if that's what he got, why didn't right. the Niners give it to him? That's mm -hmm. the one way that I could see Kittle looking good in this. But, I mean, I, I do think something gets done that both sides are content with because this, more so than a lot of negotiations that get to this point, both sides are better off together. Kittle is going to get more opportunity. He's going to look better, have more of a chance at a Hall of Fame career being paired with Kyle Shanahan. Meanwhile, the Niners very much need George Kittle, especially his blocking in the run game because he makes an outside zone blocking scheme so much better. Here's the one thing I don't get. Kittle's side, and this is according to Mike Silver, is pushing the idea that, great, you want to make us the highest pay tight end, but we're more than that. We're more than a tight end. And I would argue... No, you're like based on what? What does a tight end have to do? Catch the ball and block really well. And Kittle's awesome at both of those things. But isn't that what he's supposed to be awesome at? Like, what is the argument that he's more than a tight end? Because you don't you don't find guys who are not only one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL, but also one of the best receiving tight ends. You, you get guys who are considered potential Hall of Famers in a Travis Kelsey who is a tremendous receiver and a below average to average blocker, depending on who, who you ask. It's very, very rare. And I would argue at this point in time, he is probably the most complete tight end we've ever seen because we've never seen a tight end who can block this well and receive this well, which is why especially your people who study game film in the NFL rave about him so much. Because on film, he does stuff that no other tight end has been able to achieve. But those are still part of your job as a tight end. Like he's, I, I just, he's not doing anything that a, that a tight ends don't do. He's just doing the things they do do really well. You could say that for any position. Patrick Mahomes isn't doing anything the quarterbacks aren't supposed to do. He's just 
doing it a lot better than anybody else right. in the league. Right what now. did they do with Patrick Mahomes? They made him the highest paid quarterback ever. So there you go. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, I want Kittle to be a part of the team. I bought a Kittle jersey last year. It was the first 49ers jersey I've paid for that I've bought in years. So my last one was a Frank Gore jersey. So that'll tell you how long ago it's been since I bought a jersey. I want them to get this done. But, you know, being in this business now for 15 years, I also kind of side with if they don't get it done, like they can win without them. They'll find a way. They can. And that might be where the Niners are sitting, that they, hey, we have the offensive genius of a coach who can manufacture offense and he doesn't necessarily need an all-world tight end. That's more of a luxury than what's necessarily needed in this offense. And to be honest, if this drags into the season and somebody like Brandon Ayuk looks like the real deal, Kittle loses a little bit of leverage because Shanahan will see even more, hey, we don't necessarily need him. We can find somebody who's good enough at tight end, and we now have the receivers to make this offense go. Do you think that there was a little in the back of Shanahan's mind, like, hey, let's sign Jordan Reed if things are crazy with Kittle? I mean, say what you want about Reed. He has injury issues for sure, concussion issues, but he's talented. He's a very good player. Not saying he's George Kittle, but I wonder if Shanahan's like, I can take a guy like Jordan Reed and put up similar stuff to what George has been doing. Yeah, I mean, there'll, there'll be a hit in the run game side of it, yeah. um, which yeah. is obviously much more valuable to the Niners than almost any other offense because they run so much, especially involving the tight end being part of where the hole's going to be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would say that that was the small part of the signing. I think a larger part of it, was the Niners want contingencies and quality Mm -hmm. backups anywhere they can get it due to the unknown of COVID. What happens if George Kittle has to quarantine for two weeks? You don't want to have a rookie, a low-round draft pick, and a guy who's not really a receiving tight end. You know, you you want that backup. And we're going to get into sort of where the 49ers stand in terms of dealing with COVID this season. And something Steve Young said that really, I thought, kind of crystallized where he thinks the 49ers are and where they could go in the years to come. That and more coming up after this. All right, next up, I want to get your take, Levin, on something I saw from Steve Young. He was at a virtual event uh, to honor the late, great Dwight Clark. And he said, quote, that will be tested this year and it will be fun to watch regarding the 49ers and whether they can repeat. He said, because if they can withstand that scrutiny and that intensity, that's when you think, oh, we're going to be great for a long time because that's a big filter, a big hurdle to get through. If they can do it this year, you got to think that they can do it every year for four or five years. Now, the Niners will definitely be the hunted and not the hunter this year. Do you think that what Steve Young said holds up, that if they can do it this year, that they will sort of establish themselves for the next, say, five years as one of the elite teams in the league? I think it it could. It's obviously one of the most difficult things to do, and Steve would know he was part of that 17-year run of 10-plus wins every single year for the 49ers, and that is, a, like I said, a very difficult thing to do. And we have seen time and time again in NFL history teams come up they get a 12, 13 win season. Maybe they don't quite make the Super Bowl like the Niners did, but they they make some noise. They're young, 
everybody says, hey, this is a team to be reckoned with for years to come. And then for one reason or another, they break apart and they only only end up having one or two years over a five-year period where they actually even made the playoffs. I mean, it it happens. And this is the year that will kind of answer that question for the 49ers. One of the things I thought was interesting, Kyle Juszczyk said on Tuesday, he pointed out that so many parts of this 49ers lineup are so versatile that they basically have a team full of interchangeable parts. So if something did happen with with one of the running backs in COVID or maybe one of the wide receivers, that there are so many guys that sort of have redundant skills that they can sort of keep the train rolling a little bit. And I actually thought that made a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. And I think that's part of that is by design. And we saw that a lot last year. I mean, how many different positions on the offensive line did Brunskill play? And it's already been talked about in training camp that he is still getting some work at center and tackle, even though he's expected to be the starter at guard. And it's because they know if there's an injury there, he's going to slide over because, you know, say there's an injury to McGlinchey or Trent Williams. Brunskill would likely move over to tackle because it's the more important position and somebody else would plug in at the guard spot. So the Niners are aware of that. And I think that is one of the things they look for when they're drafting. They look for that positional versatility. One of the guys he mentioned was Jarek McKinnon. And I feel like we've we've been on this train before, Levin. Like I, I keep hearing about Jarek McKinnon, how good he looks and how good he, a big a part he can be in this offense, lining up in the slot, catching balls out of the backfield, all that stuff. And Jarek McKinnon has not played a single snap for the 49ers in two years. Are you buying jet stock right now? Well, I'm glad you said jet stock because you That's said true. train earlier. Okay. And it's not a train. It's a jet. You got me. <laughs> but uh, – I would say I'm making a small buy. I do believe that from what all the all the players have been kind of raving, that McKinnon looks like the real deal. He's not been hampered. He hasn't really lost anything due to the injuries, which is certainly possible. We've seen guys who have all this talent, all this athleticism. They have a couple knee injuries, and they come back, and everybody's, oh, they're finally healthy. And then you see them on the field for the first time, and you go, yeah. that's not the same guy. It certainly seems like Jet – is the same guy as before, which was a guy that had an off-the-chart spark score and was a guy that was able to be a maybe not a dynamic runner, but a dynamic receiver as a running back. And that is really big for Kyle Shanahan. We we saw in the past where he said he had all these plays designed for Jet in the passing game that he had to rip out of his playbook when he got injured that first year. So if he's finally healthy, yeah, it's a big thing. But we all know his injury history, so I want to buy in because of what people are saying. But this is more of a I'm going to buy a small amount. I'm not buying at all. The Niners are buying stock in two rookies, and you've talked a little bit about Brandon Ayuk and also Javon Kinlaw. And something else Juszczyk said on Tuesday that I thought was interesting, he pointed out that so many of the guys are coming back that they're not starting from square one with this offense. And even though you might think that would be tough on a rookie, Juszczyk basically said when everyone around you sort of knows what they're doing already, one, it puts pressure on you to figure it out, but also it helps you figure it out because the water is not muddy, so to speak. You can look around and other people and see what they're doing, and that will help you figure out what you're supposed to be doing. And I never thought about it that way because I always thought, hey, it's going to be tough for the rookies. Shanahan's system is really difficult to learn, yada, yada. But 
Juice kind of gave me a little different perspective today. And now I'm sort of more optimistic that these guys can contribute right away. Right. I mean, it, it's almost like having a teacher's aide, but having multiple of them. When you have guys who have multiple years in Kyle Shanahan's system or in Robert Sala's system, they can help you almost like a teacher's aide. Hey, if you have a question, hey, if you're walking up the line, you're not 100% sure he, the receiver next to you can say this, you know, or whatever. And it, it certainly helps you. And in this season coming up where you could see a lot of guys playing that otherwise wouldn't due to COVID reasons, it could be a really big advantage for the 49ers. The no preseason game thing kills me because part of me is like, oh, that's so bad for these guys to not get that experience. But then part of me is like, yes, Jalen Hurd is not going to get hurt in a preseason game this year. <laughs> Trent Taylor is not going to re-break his foot, you know, <laughs> like I'm part of me is kind of like, yes keep these guys sort of in bubble wrap until week one. And then, you know, we'll roll the dice and take our chances. Right. For once, we'll actually see these guys on the field, assuming there's not a training camp injury, which they're limited to a certain extent on how much they can be doing together anyways. So there's less chance of an injury, but you're going to see hurt on the field, even if he eventually gets hurt on the real field, but you're going to see those guys. And that's exciting because we haven't seen those guys. I mean, We've been hearing, what, this is year three now on the Jet hype. This is year two on the Hurt hype. This is year three of going, well, Trent Taylor was Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target. He could be a really big key to this Niners offense. Well, now we finally get to see it on the field, assuming all those guys make it, which I think all three of those are pretty safe bets. A little more on Kinlaw because I've seen a lot of praise from him, uh, praise of him from Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa said some. Nick Bosa said he's a good kid, which is funny because I think Bosa, the age difference between them is like 20 days, literally. Um, but I'm trying to be cautiously excited here because I remember last year, the praise for Nick Bosa was people were going nuts saying the same thing. He's really good. He doesn't look like a rookie, which I've heard people say about Kinlaw. Am I crazy if I start to think like, hey, maybe this guy could be an impact player year one? I don't think it's crazy to think that, but I do think it's uh, people should maybe temper their excitement. And the reason I say that is not because I don't believe in him, not because I wasn't excited to watch the film on him when he was coming out and the Niners drafted him, but because a lot of that praise is saying, wow, he's a huge guy. I'm so amazed <laughs> at how big he is. Well, defensive line isn't necessarily about size. A lot of it's about technique. I mean, Aaron Donald is not the biggest defensive tackle. He's actually on the small side for defensive tackles. He dominates because of his burst and because of his techniques. That is as big as anything. So I'm kind of, I've been seeing that hype and I, I've been kind of trying to keep my mouth shut about it because I don't want to squash people's hype dreams when there's been so little going on. But a lot of the hype has just been about how big he is. Well, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Levin Black, crusher of dreams. <laughs> yep. I will say the one spot on the Niners defense where I feel like you could run was up the middle. And that's where Buckner was. I mean, that was his spot. So if Kinlaw can at least be a little more stout up the middle, that'd be something that I don't think it's crazy to think that it would be an improvement over, over DeForest Buckner. Yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily say DeForest Buckner was the reason the running up the middle was able to be done. There were a lot of injuries on the other defensive tackle position for rundowns because obviously Eric Armstead rotated to the outside on rundowns and Eric Armstead on the outside for 
obvious rushing downs, is phenomenal in that role because he's really big for a defensive end. And then you had Nick Bozo on the other side. Well, you're not you're not running at Nick Nick Bozo. You're running away from him. So the obvious answer was go right up the middle. And with the Niners being in the wide nine technique, it's easier to run up the middle. So I don't know how much he's going to help in that regard uh, or the other guys coming back healthy. Hopefully they were injured last year, the defensive tackle position, because part of it is just by the way in which they line up. There's not anything you can do about that. Yeah, wouldn't it be terrible if the Niners defense was just as good as they were last year? Well, I mean, <laughs> okay, go ahead and run on, on the Niners. See how that works out for you when the offense is going to score on the other side of the ball. That That's the thing. When you're a really good team, a lot of times you're leading and the other team can't really just run the ball. Yeah, that's and the, this Niners defense is so set up for that scenario. Like that is exactly the game they want to play. Get a lead on you early, and then when you have to pass to try and catch up, that defensive line and that front seven is just gonna just gonna eat because that's exactly what they're designed to do. Especially if D Ford can play more than twenty percent of the snaps. Right. It it reminds me of a team that dominated throughout the two thousands, and I don't like to throw it out there because I quite honestly hated this team because it was the local team when I was growing up, um, and I got sick of hearing all their stuff. And they ended up only winning one Super Bowl, but. And they very much are like the Indianapolis Colts of the early 2000s. They want to get a lead, and when they get a lead, they got Robert Mathis and they got Dwight Freeney coming off those edges, and good luck holding up when those guys can just speed rush and come at you or do it, you know, do the patent spin move of Dwight Freeney. If you give a green light to Nick Boza and D Ford coming off the edge, good luck, and that that's by design. You get dominant edge players, and you have a good offense. There's going to be a lot of games where you're playing with a lead and the offense isn't going to have a chance to come back on the other side. The other crazy thing about Bosa is like he doesn't have a patented move. He doesn't have a patented spin move. He just wins every time pretty much. His patented move is being a man child, being more of a man <laughs> than you. <laughs> I mean, the guy is just from top to bottom, there's no weakness. Whether it's you're talking technique or his body, you know, he's not, he's not somebody that's all, all his strengths in his legs or all his strength is in his upper body. You know, if you get low on him, you can move him. He doesn't have that. He, he is somebody that literally since probably birth has been getting molded by his family of football people to be what he is. <laughs> yeah. And did you see that? I don't know if you've seen any of the quotes from him. Basically he's like, all I've been doing for the past six months is working out. I didn't have to worry about like the combine or draft prep or any of that stuff. He's just basically been like in a garage somewhere working out with Joey Bosa every day. And he, he said himself, like he's been working on stuff and he knows last year he said, I would win a lot of my rushes and I still wouldn't, wouldn't seal the deal. Wouldn't get there for the sack. So he knows exactly where he needs to improve. And I just picture him like in a garage, like Rocky style training montage every day for six months. And if he's better than he was last year, I mean, look out. If last year was a Nick Boza who didn't get to work out a whole lot, I mean, <laughs> man, I want some of those jeans because yeah. I, I don't work out and I don't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think last year is the worst Nick Bosa that we'll see? No, I mean, he but had it's possible. It, it's possible, but he had a year where, from a lot of the year, people were saying he shouldn't just be in defensive rookie of the year conversation. He should be in defensive player of the year conversation. I mean, people have down years. 
injuries can happen that can slow you down and he's going to age. So it's not the worst we've seen. And I think he is a guy that the Niners are going to make stick around for 10 years. They're going to pay what it takes to keep that guy around for his entire prime. You know, wouldn't we have said that about George Kittle though, too? And look where we are. Time will tell. Time will tell. And I, I think it's different having an offensive coach who is very confident in his ability to create offense, regardless of what players he has. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is the guy that came into his first year going, yeah, sure, I'll roll with Brian Hoyer as my quarterback. <laughs> well, that has to be part of it too, though, right? Like Shanahan is not breaking down John Lynch's door, pounding the table saying, we got to have this guy get this done. Whereas you're saying you think for Nick Bosa, he would, because he's like, you can't manufacture a Nick Bosa. You either are born with this ability or you're not. Whereas he thinks he can sort of jerry-rig things for the offense. I think there's only two positions on offense that Kyle Shanahan would say, I'm going to pay if I get somebody of quality there. And that's your offensive tackles and your and quarterback. That's a unique situation, I think. And I will say, everybody's saying, oh, the Niners are going to extend juice. I'm not 100% convinced. It depends on what his number is. Because I think they're, they're at a different stage now. They had the luxury of paying that much for a fullback in the past, they they're at that point where they're not, they don't have that luxury anymore and they're going to have to make some tough decisions. And that might be the one they make. But I do think Kyle Shanahan prioritizes. If I get a good quarterback, I'm not letting them go. And if I have good tackles, I need them for this offense. And cause he has, he does have a unique offensive tackle. He needs somebody that's not only good, but is athletic enough to be running down the field and blocking due to his one, scheme. One more thing you just made me think of. I know we didn't talk about this ahead of time. So we saw the Niners give up a pick to get Trent Williams. We saw the Niners give up a pick to uh, multiple picks to get Emmanuel Sanders. Given the fact that we don't know the state of college football right now, just on Tuesday, the Big Ten said there's not going to be any football. The Pac-12 says there's not going to be any football. There may not even be a college football season. Given that fact, if we get to week three, week four, and something's missing for the 49ers, do you think they're more likely to trade a pick for next year? Just because, you know, you're who knows what the draft is going to be and the scouting situation is going to be. So they may, do you think they'll say, hey, we'll give you a second round pick or maybe even a first round pick? I think it's a little bit more likely, but you also don't want to just assume that the draft is going to be bad. I mean, I think every team, every front office, has a lot of confidence in their scouts, and it's not like missing one season changes everything that you've seen before. It's not like, you know, say basketball, where that one season might be the only season that guy plays in college. You got other years that you can look at film, and yes, it's a disadvantage if a guy didn't play that next year. You know, you can point to Joe Burrow. Nobody thought he was going to be even a first-round pick prior to the, the season, and he ended up being number one overall. But there's some film out there. You can get some idea. And I think every team has confidence in their scouts, but I will say or argue that the PAC 12 doesn't even play football anyways. But I'm a big 10 guy. So I got to say that. I knew there was going to be a PAC 12 big. I was just waiting for it. Yeah. Take that. I know Niner fans are by and large PAC 12 fans, but I grew up big 10 country. So I know what real football is like. Well, they ain't going to be playing real football. <laughs> this fall. Some might, there's a lot of there's a lot of contention there in amongst the Big Ten teams. Even I mean, Nebraska's already said that 
they're looking into options to still play. <laughs> I don't even want to say anything because <laughs> by the time this posts, the the it's going to be all different anyway. It, it's crazy. I, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, and that is going to wrap up the first ever Gold Standard Niners Nation podcast. You can always hit us up on Twitter. I am at Stats on Fire. Levin is at Dusk, DA Sports Bum. Hit him up. He doesn't like to argue as much as I do. I like to say I'm there for the arguments on Twitter. Levin just kind of, he'll give you like the digital hand wave and dismiss you for being an idiot. I don't know. I, there, there are plenty of times that I've gone probably 10 posts deep arguing with somebody that I don't even know who I'm arguing with. 10 posts deep? Uh, I don't like to let things go. I'm going to keep hammering it in that? until you would say, okay, yes, you're right. <laughs> Does that ever happen on Twitter? I didn't even think that was allowed. Uh, every once in a while, which is what fuels me to keep going. Man, print that out and frame it because that's pretty rare. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for us. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review, good or bad. If it's good, awesome. We like nice things. If it's bad, we'll try and be better. All right, look, it's the first podcast. Cut us a break already. For 11 Black, I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. We'll see you next time.